with all the sickness that is in this world today, how do you propose that we get well? Uh, it is amazing, as I hear many of you talking about many of the, the medical procedures you're having done, even in my own family, to hear what they can do with modern technology. There are a lot of sick people out there, are there not? And some of you in here, I mean, you would probably say that even in this congregation this morning, there are a lot of people that are probably not 100%. I think we all operate in about 85 to 90%, don't you think? When we or someone we love are sick, our temptation is to focus on that sickness. Our temptation is to focus on that trial that we're going through. Your thing today might not be sickness. Maybe it's uh, some other type of struggle that you're having. But understand, struggles are like elbows. Everybody has them. And I don't know about you, but there are days when you get that headache or other some type of pain that it just seems like all you want to do is bury your head in the sand until that goes away. And so the thing is, is that as we study Jesus' life and we read in the New Testament, we see that Jesus encountered many sick people. And although he didn't heal everyone, uh, the people that he did heal, it was for a purpose and it was for a reason. And we hope and I pray that we can see that purpose and that reason today. And in order for us to thrive as Christians, in order for us to thrive as Christians today, we need to have something I call an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. We must admit that we are sick and we need help. Folks, if you want to be well today, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. If you want to be well today, yes, doctors and medicine and procedures, they, they go a long way to making people better and to, to fixing these bodies. But if you want to be well today, not only physically, but most importantly, spiritually, then you need to have an attitude of gratitude. You need to have what Jesus calls faith in this passage. As I've, I've said many times during our prayer meetings, is, is that when, when we have prayer requests and, and we take prayer requests, uh, there is no uh, limit to the number of, of people that have health problems and they know people that need prayer. And, and, and as I tell them, that is important. But folks, there are a lot of people with healthy bodies that are dying and going to hell because spiritually they are sick although their body is being kept together. And Jesus talks about both of those in this passage this morning. Faith for physical healing. Faith for spiritual healing. Both can be found as Jesus teaches us about the kind of faith that can heal us today. Let's look at Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. He says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten men with a serious skin diseases met him. Uh, for lack of a better term, that's leprosy. Okay, uh, They had leprosy and they had serious skin disease. They met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let me just say for a moment. As Jesus was going from Samaria and Galilee to Jerusalem, what would happen 
is that if someone had this skin disease, if someone was a leper, they would de- they would, the priest would deem them unclean. They would have to leave their families. They would have to leave their jobs. They would have to go to the outside of the city and just simply beg for a mere existence. And when they were begging, they couldn't be along the street where all the other beggars were. They had to be a way off because they were contagious. They were seen as unclean. And so here they are. They have serious skin disease. And they see this man named Jesus walking by them. So they shout even louder. They have to get over the crowd that's around Jesus. They have Their voices have to reach beyond the beggars that are at the city gates. They have to reach out. They were expecting Jesus. And they are calling out to Him because they have been outcast. They have been deemed unclean. They have been deemed as not a part of society. And before we move on and go into Bible school mode and, and you know, we, we think about, okay, they're a leper, let's move on to the point. I dare you for just a moment to put yourselves in their situations to where you've been separated from your family. There's something beyond your control. You didn't cause this leprosy to happen, but yet it has been put upon you. And you have to deal with it. There's feelings of loneliness, of exile. And the only company you have are with the people that are just like you. Yes, it says here that they saw Jesus, and when they saw Him, they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Why did they cry out for Jesus to have mercy on them? Because they were in great need. Why do Christians and non-Christians alike call out to Jesus? It's because when they are in great need, they call out. Maybe some of you this morning have got great need, and I guarantee you, you have never seen Jesus any clearer than in your times of need. Because when it's good, and we're like everybody else, and we're moving on, we don't really have time for Jesus. We take Him for granted. It's all about what we deserve, what we are entitled to. When, when things are going well, folks, we don't have an attitude of gratitude. To have an attitude of gratitude when things are going well is probably even more difficult when things are going not so well. But as we read on, it says, verse 14, When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. I wish you would, if, if you underline or make notes or, or if you want to give special emphasis to something, I really wish you would look at the second half of 14 where it says, and while they were going, they were healed. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But it says, and while they were going, they were healed. Underline that. Make that a point of reference for us to come back to. Because what we see is this, as as we keep on reading, is that, but one of them, seeing that was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was, dun-dun-dun, a Samaritan. One of them Samaritans. He was despised by the rest. He was known by the the Jews as a half-breed. Someone who did not belong. they They were not as pure as them. They weren't as good enough. Folks, we call that bigotry. We call that racism. 
is seen right here. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Huh, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up on your way. Your faith has made you well. We can see a few points in this this passage that I want to give you today that can help us have an attitude of gratitude to know that your faith will make you well. The first thing we see in verses 11 through 13 is we see that misery loves company. Misery loves company. Any of y'all have that friend that no matter what happens that day, they're having a bad day? You know, it's like the sun could be shining, it could be 70-some degrees, it could be perfect, and they'd be, oh, I don't like the day. It rained yesterday, and my moms are just not looking good in my garden, in my flower bed. Oh, can you believe that? I want a million dollars, and i got to pay taxes on it. You know? Good gracious. And it seems like those people that are upset and angry are not happy unless everybody else is upset and angry with them. Because misery loves company. If, if you, listen, church. If you have people like that in your life, separate yourselves from that. That is toxic. That is like kryptonite to, to the Christian, as kryptonite is to Superman. It will kill your fellowship with one another. And it will strangle your relationship with the Lord. And if you are that person, I'm praying for you. Because we see that misery loves company. In this passage, did you know that in 2014 alone, the FBI actually documented there were 56 cases of leprosy? Not overseas, but in the United States alone. Leprosy is here. There are people that have it. This is not just a biblical disease. It's a real disease. We don't hear much about it, but it's here. And disease is a result of the sin. Why is there disease? Why, why in the world do we have to go to the doctor and have them take a pint of fluid out of our back or whatever else you had done? You know, I mean, you know, listen, I've got uh, parents and, and I had grandparents and, and I've been around y'all a lot. And, and listen, when you go to see old people, you're going to get an organ recital. No offense, Joanne. I'm not talking about an organ recital. I'm talking about... Oh, my liver. Oh, oh, my, you know, pancreas and all this and all that. You just, they go through all of it. Did you know so-and-so died? No, I didn't know so-and-so died. Well, have you read the paper? Look in the bit. And it just goes on and on. That's, that's what you have to talk about. And there's nothing wrong with that. But have you ever stopped to wonder, why? Why is there disease in the world? Why, why do we have to work so hard at eating healthy? Why do we have to work so hard at working out and, and making sure that we stay in shape and doing the right things? Well, I want you to understand, disease will always exist in our world because we live in a fallen world. What does that mean? Well, disease is a result of sin in the world, and without sin, there would be no physical disease in the world. Do you understand that? If it was not for sin entering the world, we would not have death. We would not have to do all the things that we do to try to stay healthy because that death process would not have started. In Genesis 3, verses 
15 and 16, God is pronouncing judgment upon Adam and Eve, which is carried over to us, even in this generation. And it will go on until Jesus Christ comes back. He says, You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's, uh, it's it's pretty amazing as people can read this and understand uh, without getting morbid or or graphic. But but I'm telling you, when, when someone is buried, eventually we all turn back to ashes. If you wait long enough, it happens. We were at the time of creation. Adam was a lump of dirt, and God breathed His breath, His spirit into that lump of dirt, and out came man. And that same Spirit lives within us today. And when our body dies, when it fades away, when it has taken all it can take, that Spirit lives. And we're left with dust again. But we see here that everyone needs a good doctor. There's a guy, he went to the doctor's office, and uh, the doctor says, I haven't seen you in a while. And the guy says, well, I've been sick. <laughs> you laugh about that in about an hour. Well, then there was a doctor that calls up a patient and says, I have some bad news and I have some worse news. The bad news is that you have 24 hours to live. The patient says, well, that's very bad news. What could be worse than that? The doctor says, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. So we all, uh, we all know what it's like to be sick. And we all know, I mean, like I said before, uh, many of us, uh, especially when you get older, your, your social calendar, if you look at your your parents, your grandparents' calendar, it's, well, I got the doctor's appointment on this day, this day, and this day, and I'm seeing five different doctors for five different things. Whatever happened to the day when you had one doctor that did everything? Kind of weird. But anyway, that's not what I'm preaching about. We have sickness. And what we see here is that although we have these doctors, and there are many good godly doctors, and there are good doctors that don't know God, but I want you to understand that Jesus is the great physician. That doctors can mend bones, they can sew things together, they can take things out, they can replace things, they can do all of these things to our bodies, but ultimately, Jesus is the great physician. And we see that Jesus was using his healing powers to testify that he was the Messiah. See, there were doubters that Jesus was the Messiah. Even John the Baptist himself had a moment of doubt. We see in Matthew 11, verses 1 through 6, to where even John the Baptist asked Jesus, that are you really the Messiah, our Savior? Folks, when seasons of doubt come into your life, and when they come into my life, I want you to understand that when, when someone you love is in the midst of a disease or illness, or you try to understand what Jesus is doing, listen, we've all had that one question, that one word question that never gets answered until we'll be on the other side of heaven. That question that haunts everybody, why? Why me? Why did you do this, God? Why did you do that, God? We all focus on the why. But see, the problem is, when we focus on the why, we focus on the problem rather than the solution. Folks, doubt focuses on what Jesus has not done. Doubt focuses. If you you are ruled by doubt today, it focuses on what you perceive Jesus has not done. But faith, focuses on what Jesus has done. I'll put it this way. Faith drives out doubt. Faith drives out 
doubt. And we see here the second thing is that Jesus heals with equal opportunity. Jesus, when he did the healing to these ten lepers, he did not single any of them out. He healed all ten of them, didn't he? Ten for one, that's a pretty good deal. And so he wanted to heal all of them. So normally the Jews and the Samaritans, they would not be at the same place at the same time. Because you had, I mean, it was, it was Samaritans were really seen as being despised. That's why when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, it was like a brick in the face to the Jews because here was this person that was supposed to be less than being risen up as someone who was important. And so we see here nine Jews and a Samaritan. It's kind of like it sounds like it's starting of a joke. Nine Jews and a Samaritan are walking to a sanctuary. And guess what happens? And then you have the punchline. But here we see here, we have ten people that were saved. But normally they would not be together. But, but what, what common denominator did the nine Jews that were lepers and the Samaritan leper have? They all had leprosy. I want you to understand something. We have people of different colors, different tongues, different abilities, different everything. But I want you to understand, the one sickness, the one thing that binds us all together in this big pot is called sin. Every one of us. And there is not one of you that's any better, and I'm not any better, than any one of you. We all have sin in our lives. And these ten men, nine Jews, one Samaritan, were bound together from the misery of their leprosy. Folks, we see here that our disease is sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But all of the men, they cried out for mercy. They saw Jesus far away, and they cried out even louder. Master, they say. They say, Master Jesus. That is, that is a way of them. Another way of saying Master would be calling Him the chief commander. They believed that Jesus could heal them. Ephesians 4, 7 says, Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. You see, the ten lepers believed that Jesus could heal them, and the lepers trusted Jesus to heal them. They believed, and they trusted. All ten of them believed. All ten of them trusted. And then we also see that Jesus' command was to all the ten. Remember how I told you, to go look around, I think verse 14, when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Jesus' command was specified to all ten of those men because in that setting, the only way those men could ever have another life, the only way they could ever see their families again, the only way they could hold their children, the only way they could kiss their wives, the only way they could, they could hold their job again, the only way that they could feel like a productive man in society again, the only way they could be whole again was to go to the priest and the priest say, you are clean in their settings, in the way that this is written. It was all up to the priest to say, you are clean. And Jesus told all ten of them to go to the priest. Well, that was their act of faith. Henry Blackaby calls this the crisis of belief. In other words, all of us, every one of you in here, including myself, will have moments to where 
there's at some point we can believe, we can trust, we can sing, we can praise, we can laugh, or we can lift our hands, we can do all of that stuff. But at some point, it's going to be the gut check of acting on something that God has asked us to do. A crisis of belief. Well, he told them to go show themselves to the priest. But, but what is so life-changing about this? I mean, I've, I've preached this passage and I've studied this passage, and God showed me this. He says, and while they were going, they were healed. And while they were going, it wasn't Jesus saying, be healed, and all of a sudden they boom, and then they have, you know, a proactive skin commercial where everything is just, you know, they're all, they're all fine, and, you know, they've got perfect skin now. No, it says... While they were walking to the priest. That means that Jesus says you are healed. They believed, they trusted, but they had to turn and walk towards the priest and still be lepers. It says that they were healed on the way. That took faith. It took faith to be able... They were going to the priest and they were like... Okay, Jesus, we trust you, but look, hey, I still got sores. There's no way this is going to work. Can you imagine them as they were walking and looking at each other? And they'll say, dude, your face is cleared up. You got your fingers back. Look at you. You look beautiful. Look at me. And then all of a sudden, they realize that all the way to the priest, they have been healed. Woo! Well, it was an act of faith that Jesus healed all the ten lepers. And Jesus healed them because of their faith. Their obedience was evidence of their faith in Jesus to heal them. Folks, sometimes when Jesus puts you in difficult situations, He just wants to see your faith. It's painful. But I'm telling you what, if he didn't care about you, he wouldn't be putting you through it. And he's not, he's not looking for that faith so that he can, he can approve of you. He's looking for that faith so that you can see that you have it. It's a win-win situation. And the third thing that we see is that we must have an attitude of gratitude. In verses 15 through 19 we saw that of the ten lepers who were healed, only one showed Jesus' gratitude for doing so. One out of ten. And as a matter of fact, the one that came back was who? The despised Samaritan. Dun, dun, dun. The plot thickens. Well, we see here that the nine Jewish lepers needed Jesus to get them out of a bind, to give them a better life, to reinstate their former life so they could get their power and their authority and their place back in the world. But yet, that's all that it was about. Listen, hang with me just for a second. If the only reason you're following Jesus is what he can give you, you're just like the nine lepers. If church is about you, if your relationship with God is about you, if everything in life is about you, then you are one of the nine lepers. Folks, we have to have an attitude of gratitude. It says in verse 15, With a loud voice, the Samaritan gave glory to God. The despised Samaritan was the only one with an attitude of gratitude. 
like the nine lepers, I want you to see real quick, there are four things that we can take for granted from God. Those four things are this. The first of all is God's providence. I think it's the next slide. There we go. God's providence. What that means is God is, of all places Jesus could go, He came to their camp. When you think about it in your life, when Jesus has shown up just at the right time, in the right place. That's God's providence. We see God's love, that that Jesus moved beyond their condition to save them. Society had removed their value. They had cast them out. They were trash. They were rubbish. They were garbage. They were, they were, uh, it it would be like if somebody was, was quarantined because they had Ebola today. They were outcast because of their sickness. But yet Jesus went to them. And also we see God's grace for Jesus to forgive their sins. That, that is what he was there to do. And we see God's power to heal and regenerate their bodies. Folks, when they were healed, it wasn't a long process of scabs and, and, and treatments and, and skin grafts and all of that stuff. They were healed. Amen. They were made whole. The nine received physical healing, but one received something special. Not only did they receive a physical healing, the Samaritan received a spiritual healing as well. In verse 19 we see that the Samaritan, the Samaritan man's sins were forgiven. Of all ten of them, there was one whose sins were forgiven. Why is that? Because Jesus says, what? Your faith has healed you. If you want to have a healing faith today, I want you to understand, you can put your faith in a lot of things, but the only thing that that has lasting value is to have your faith in Jesus Christ. Because of those ten lepers, nine of them were healed, but at the end of the day, they died and their bodies became dust. Separated from God. In a place called hell. But the one that had an attitude of gratitude He was healed physically, but he was healed spiritually as well. The priest declared the Samaritan's non-friends clean, but Jesus declared the one Samaritan not only clean, but saved. Folks, physical healing is a blessing. Don't get me wrong. Physical healing is a blessing, but salvation is everlasting. Gratitude opens our hearts to further blessings from God, and gratitude goes a long way. It says in Romans 1.21 that an unthankful heart gives sin all access to our lives. Folks, if you focus on the have-not rather than what God has given you, you will be miserable. And when we are focused on our own needs and our own problems, it says we have an unthankful heart, we give Satan open game in our lives. Well, it says in Romans one twenty one. yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Why are we living in the world we're living today? This verse answers it right for us, almost like prophecy, that we begin to think up foolish ways 
of what God is that are contrary to His Word. And when that happens, we become dazed and confused. Folks, our world is not thinking straight. That's why if you want to be the smart person in the room, you want to read this. And you want to apply this to your lives. Well, in conclusion, we are quick to enjoy the gift while forgetting the giver. We're quick to pray, but slow to praise. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I hope that my prayer life and my, my uh, emphasis is not like a Santa Claus wish list. Daddy, I want this, I want that. Give me this, give me that. That's not prayer. Remember, it's not what you do or who you are that saves you. It is your faith that makes you well. And if you want to thrive in your walk with God, don't take Him for granted today. To have faith that makes you well, you need to have an attitude of gratitude. If you are a believer today, spend some moments thanking Him for what He's given you. And then also, I would challenge you to try to see the blessings and what He's taking you through if it's painful. And folks, there is no greater gratitude than if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ to take Him at His word like the Samaritan did. And that your faith will make you well by accepting Him as your Savior and Lord. Don't take that for granted. That is a precious gift. That while we were sinners and lost, Christ died for your sins and mine. If you'd like to know Him as your Savior and Lord today, I'll ask you in just a moment. We'll have an invitation. You can come forward. You can bring a friend with you. That's fine. And I'll pray with you. If you just have a prayer need or you'd like to know Jesus Christ, we can handle it all. Or if you'd just like to come to the altar and pray, or pray where you are, or join this church, the invitation is for you. Would you please stand?